I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. But our next guest has been here, well, longer than anybody I can remember almost. Um, I've worked in catering for quite some time before I went into broadcasting and uh, I went to my mate's house one day and I'm in the kitchen and there's this kid who's there and he's standing sort of to attention, very serious he is and he's, he's looking straight at me and I'm introduced by Chris again. I've known Chris a long, I've known Chris since he was 10, by the way, which is about 75 years now, isn't it, Chris? And uh, this kid stands there and he's looking very serious and I'm introduced to him and he's, he's riding for a fellow called Mick Corrigan who's a gangster, effectively. <laughs> Slightly dodgy geezer, you know what I mean? And um, shook hands with this then 15-year-old that seemed like a bit like a 40-year-old. James Tozen, ladies and gentlemen. Big round of applause. Double world champion. He was a good bloke then. And he's still a good bloke now. <laughs> Hello, Keith. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Are we sitting down? Oh, you can if you like. You've got dodgy... Well, I thought it was only your arm that was dodgy, it not is. your legs as it well. It is. No, my legs are fine. I'm all right. I've not been to Valencia with Leon, so I'm all right. <laughs> my head's all right. Well, you look like you were going to probably go for it. Now, this man, as I said, he, he, he's always a little bit serious sometimes when you first meet James, and you think, oh, blimey, what's this guy about? And then all of a sudden, I'm sorry, I'm opening my book. I was going to say, what's that? that? <laughs> I, I was going to wipe my nose on it, but then I thought, I'll read it. <laughs> You've done some homework. I've done some Shit. homework on JT. Crikey. The trouble is, when you, when you deal with someone like James... can I just read this first? James, <laughs> James is a consummate professional in everything he does. There is such a serious side to James Toesland that sometimes it's quite intimidating. And you don't quite know how to deal with it to start with. And then you go out on the piss, and you are slaughtered by him. He's just... A machine, I can tell you. Tonight, maybe we'll have a little bit of that later on. James, well, I'm not getting slaughtered tonight, by the way. I've got to drive home, so... <laughs> I'll get slaughtered another night with you, Keith. You're going to get slaughtered with the car you drive, I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> James, uh, he gets quite excited when he spends money, which is not often, I must say, when I've been out with him. <laughs> but he decided one time to buy a new car. Um, How much am I getting paid for? They can just get rinsed on that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> another pint, I yeah, think, so you can fight back. <laughs> I'll have another pint so no one can hear me because I'll be slurry so much. Um, so he bought a Volvo. Anybody else got a Volvo in here who's a motorcycle Come on, racer, Volvo, guys. Put your hands up. Oh, shit. Least, <laughs> no, it's not a Tesla. No, no, he's not got that far down here. Is he not one? It's not fucking one, is he? Yeah, but you wait and you go out to it. Someone's name's going to be keyed key in the doorway when you get back outside. I've got 52 JT in my number plate. I've got to set that up, I know. 
Uh, yeah, where did 52 come from, as an aside? Oh, oh Nicky Corrigan. Corrigan. Oh, Corrigan. Yeah. What, did he sell it to you? No, I was in his kitchen, and he said, right. It was a lot of business gets done in kitchen. I've told you that already with Chris. I've got your CB500 to ride, and like I thought, oh, wicked. I was really excited about it. And went into his garage, and he pulled the garage door up, and he showed me a CB500. It was the shittiest looking thing. Like a courier bike, wasn't it? Well, they were courier bikes. Yeah, they were courier bikes. Did it have them hand marks? It was worse than my Volvo. No. No. Sorry, it was a motorbike. It wasn't worse than a Volvo. Honestly, even at 15, 16, it still looks shit as a race bike. Well, it still does now, but I'll tell you what, I had some fun on it. But yeah, I had 12, 6, and 52. Uh, and I'd already been 12 in my junior championship, did all right. I was racing against um, James Ellison, Steve Brogan, um, uh, uh, Heckles, Mark Heckles. Remember Mark Heckles? And, um, and then I went to six, um, and then it went, I didn't, I, I didn't do very well with six. Um, I was on scooters and stuff with Leon when we were 14 years old, and that didn't go well at all. So um, I, I didn't do that great with six and 12. So and the, other, the only the other choice was 52, and I, and I chose that. So it's not a great story, I know, but... Um, that's, that's why I got 52. I'll tell you what, it's, it's worth just emphasizing the fact you are only still 43 years I know he only looks 30, bloody three bastard, but anyway, he's still only 43 years old. Bearing in mind how long you've been retired and how long you've been in broadcasting and how long you've been off the track due to injury, obviously. I, it was remarkable how young you were when you first came to the fray. And if I might say, you didn't come from money. There wasn't money in the family, particularly right at the start. Um, perhaps you can take us back, perhaps, to those early days to. Trials and motocross. Crikey. How long we got? I know. Well, we've got plenty of time. And does anybody want to get out of here and now? Yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> my car, then, not with me. <laughs> Nobody wants to go in a Volvo, James. <laughs> Just stop it. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, I, 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 I was uh, a young lad and I was, I was playing the piano with my grand and she taught me to play and a wonderful piano player. And when I was nine, eight, nine years old, my mum went to the pub and um, she brought this biker back. Uh, and that's where it all all changed. He, he had an, he had a, an X up thousand Yamaha. And I Your gran was going out with a biker. <laughs> no, that was my mum. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my gran was uh, my gran was the piano player. She 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 did things uh, she th did things better. Um, and then uh, yeah, this this guy turned up in my life and uh, X up thousand and uh, he, she started dating this guy and, and uh, he took me out on this X up thousand and like can you imagine a little kid from from Sheffield? been taken out on a motorcycle for, for the first time and my first experience was a pillion well there's nothing more exhilarating than riding a motorbike than being on the back of a motorbike who's on the back of someone that's pretty handy um, and and I think you you know you either shit yourself <laughs> or you think shit this is the best thing ever because I was I was so out of my comfort zone I was playing Ferrari Jacques on the piano half an hour ago on my scales and arpeggios <laughs> And then I'm doing 120 round Sheffield works up there on the back of a bike. Was this your stepdad? Yeah, Ken. Step, yeah, Ken, yeah, yeah. So like, and all of a sudden, I loved it. Loved, and, and my personality is, is, is it, I am not the norm that comes into motorcycle racing and, and rides motorbikes. Um, I never was, never have been, and I've, and I've come comfortable, you know, I've got comfortable out, and I never will be. But um, uh, I don't know why, but I absolutely loved it. Pestered him for a trials bike. He bought me a TY80 win in 1990, something like that, when I was eight, nine years old. We went trials riding. And trials riding, I know Leon loves it as well. Trials riding for me is arguably still the most enjoyment I had on a motorcycle. Because you went to the event, and you're at the start of the section, and all the lads around and lasses and that, just kind of like, um, you know, we're competing against each other, but the main competition is just yourself and the section. Isn't it? 
So you, you don't get that, that real pressure of having to beat somebody. You're just trying to get through without putting your foot down. And it was such an individual challenge that you didn't feel that external you know, pressures from everything else that comes with an elite sport that you've got to beat everybody because there's a pressure to do so. And I love that about trials riding, and I still do. So at what point did that change, that you decided that you did want to beat everyone? I wanted to go fast. And then I started watching motocross. Um, and when I started motoring, watching motocross, and they were flying through the air and going really fast. And then I was like, you know, coming up to a teenager as well. And like trials riding, it was like driving a Volvo, you know. Uh, to get the good girls, you've got to be fast. So um, I pestered for a, for a motocross bike. Uh, but I'd stopped riding a bit then. I wasn't riding so much. Um, so Ken said, well, if you win a trials championship or some, you know, something in trials, we'll go to motocross. Because he was a, just a trials rider. He never, he never rode road racing or he never rode himself. He was just on the roads, but he loved trials. So he liked to make to go trials riding, basically. So he pestered me to get my trials bike out so we could go trials riding again. Uh, and I ended up winning the, um, the, uh, the East Midlands Championship at trials riding as a junior on the TYT again when I started. Uh, and he bought me a KX100 and we went motocrossing. But I was, a, I mean, I'm not the tallest kid now, but I was really short when I was 13 and the, the, the motocross bikes were so bloody high. I needed a little brick and that at the side. And, um, and my ambitions outweighed me bloody talents massively in motocross. And I, I kept crashing all the time. Well, yeah, I kept doing that quite a bit in my, all my career. But, um, uh, and uh, so we, um, but the problem was with motocross was if you got taken with your parents, your parents had to marshal. We were the same, Leon. Your parents, I mean, fuck it, my mum hated marshalling. <laughs> my mom, like, they stood at the side of the track in the pissing rain or whatever, and the wind's coming, and she stood at the top of the tabletop or whatever, and uh, waving that she absolutely hated it. So, um, and it was sandy and dirty, and everything was caked up in sludge. My mum's got OCD, so that bugged her to, de to death. Um, so I wondered where you got it from. Yeah, yeah, mum, yeah, it is mum, yeah. So then we went to road, that's what, honestly, that's why I went to road racing, because my mum got fed up of cleaning me shit all the time. Yeah. You are an unusual character, there's no doubt about that, the way you go about everything in your life. I mean, it's a very, honestly, I, it sounds like I'm taking the piss, but I'm not. James is extremely exacting in everything he does, if he puts his mind to whatever it is. You did a series on television, I'm jumping forward a little bit at the moment, called Natural Born Winners. Did anybody see that series? Obviously, one person in sorry, it was popular. Um, but there were some very famous names that took on this natural born winners thing. And they had to do like bog swimming and, um, and, and snor bog snorkeling. That was it. I've, done, I've never done it myself, James, so I didn't really know I'll that. Never do it again. <laughs> but every single thing this man took part in, he was out to win it, which was shocking. And just about everyone else, the other sportsmen, very famous sportsmen that were involved in it as well, couldn't really hack your dedication to the cause, whatever it was. Um, I mean, what has driven you? What has made you the way that you are to, to, to win at everything you do? I mean, even, even sitting here earlier on, I, always, I look at James and I suddenly think, oh, he's looking at me with that, that look on his face, which means we're going somewhere or we're about to talk about something I don't know enough about. And it's really worrying. It's intimidating sometimes. Um, well, I've known you a long time, so it doesn't matter now. But, I mean, what made you that way? What, what particularly makes James Tozen tick? I think Is it God? I think everybody's. I think everybody's an individual, aren't they? And I, I when I was on the back of that X up thousand, I realised um, this. This is exactly how I want to feel for the rest of my life. And I think you need to tick a certain way to get that kind of a buzz out of out of something being a bit dodgy and, and scary uh, about going really fast on the roads, not knowing where to go, and uh, and and you've never. Be, I'd never been above forty miles an hour with my mum before, you know, in the car. And, 
Um, but, but there was an internal thing was like, this is my calling. And there was a real calling for that. Uh, and, and as far as like all the rest of the, the personality traits go, I mean, that's just, uh, that's just the scars of life going through and, um, you know, ending up in this place. We kind of touched on the, yeah, <laughs> you did well for yourself. <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Martin Seagrave, who'd have thought it? <laughs> Posher, posher than Kettering. <laughs> they all speak like Harry round here. <laughs> Not. <laughs> Probably where I would like to go with that, if I can, is that, that obviously there are things that happen. You know, Ken, for, for anybody that, that doesn't know, JT's stepdad took his own life, which if anybody's been subjected to that situation at some stage in their life will know that that is a, a, a devastating uh, time in life. I mean, how much did that change your outlook? How much did that formulate the kind of James Tozer that we're seeing now? Oh, massively. I, I don't think anybody can go through that at 16 years old uh, and it not, um, it not have an influence for the rest of, of their lives. But unfortunately, I, I was riding motorcycles and I realized that motorcycles was a, a perfect channel for everything of life's difficulties, especially. Um, and life got difficult, really difficult. I didn't have anybody to take me to the racing, so I had to rely on, on a friend. And then, fortunately for me, what had happened in the village was in the local newspaper. Uh, and then Mick Corrigan, who I have everything to thank for, really, for, for my careers, because he read the article and he knew that I was racing a bit, and he knew that that was my stepdad who took me. And uh, he, he called and said, I've seen the news, um, what are you going to do next year? So I said, that's it, it's, it's, it's done. And I was in super teens at the time. And, um, and I had no, no other way of getting to the racetracks, obviously at 16 years old. So, um, and, and luckily for me, he had a CB500 and kept it going. Um, but what happened in 97, after that in, in the, uh, the winter of 96, um, after getting lapped at Brands Hatch by Carl Harris in the super teens, in um, six months on for the first race in the CB500 Cup, I, I qualified a second and a half faster than second place, won every single race of that year except for one, went into the 600s, and I won five out of the last seven races and finished third in that championship when I got a world championship contract. And it was largely down to um, the frustrations and the pain and the dis you know, uh, of, of, of that incident. Uh, and trying to kind of get made around what it was all about and what life was all about. And it set a bonfire off inside of me that the motorcycle racing and being on a motorcycle was, was a coping mechanism and it made me fast. It's not made it easy, but it's made it fast. You once said to me that you had even looked at the situation that Ken had gone through, your stepdad, as an option before you realised that you were actually a victim of that situation. Um, I was shocked when you said that until I understood it a little bit better and I think most people here will be slightly shocked as well but maybe you can 
reiterate what you said to me at the time. Well, it's such a selfish act, isn't it, that we, we see it? Because the only people that have to cope with it are the people left behind, still here. That's the problem with it. Um, so, but from, from it being a selfish act, you've, then you get a bit old and try and, you know, and, 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 you, and you see other people going through similar things and, and choosing that same path. Um, and then once I got my injury from the racing and it stopped me immediately when I was only 29 years old. And, and then I had seven operations on the wrist and I had 11 years of operation recovery, operation recovery with medication and all the rest of it. And without riding, without having that outlet anymore that was always there. Um, to kind of help cope with with what was going on, um, I, it, yeah, I flirted with the, with all of that for sure. I mean, we we hear obviously people should reach out, and hopefully, if anybody's feeling anything towards anything like this with the subject that we've dropped onto here, you know, there are outlets, there are places that you you can reach out to and, and get some help. I mean, did you do that, or did you deal with yourself? Did you work it out for yourself, like James Toseland? In my view, generally does. No, yeah, yeah. I look, look, well, yeah. I mean, I've got three nephews, and you know, the, they at the time when I was having the operations and in a really bad place uh, with it, and uh, uh, they were about 16 years old, my nephews, and exactly the same age as I was, and you know, they, because I'm a victim of it, no way would I do it to my nephews, you know, or my family or anybody else. So. Um, luckily, it, um, it kept me away from that, um, that final decision from, from, from anything. But, you know, we, we all go through tough times, and um, if you go through tough times enough where you're thinking, oh, I've had enough, you know, I've really had enough. Um, uh, and, you know, pain and discomfort and, and medication is, is one of the worst things to, to get out of that, that, that rut. Um, but, um, but on the seventh operation, I had, I had it fused because it was going so badly. I was like Mark Marquez with his failed operations. I had one that failed massively and I had to have four subsequent operations on it when I didn't know I was going to have to do that. And that then knackered four or five years of my life up. Um, I couldn't even brush my teeth for two years. And there were times when it was like, you know, I've won two world championships. You know, I've, I've had a top 40 rock album and I've toured with Deep Purple and, and I've done that and I've done that. And now I can't even brush my teeth. The, 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 you know, the, the contrast was just too great, you know. We, we all need something to wake up for and strive for. And to wake up every morning and have a chance of being the best in the world or something. Or as a musician or whatever, I mean, music is art. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, um, you know, you, it, it's not like, it's not simple like, like, like sport was. You win a race, everybody loves it. Uh, with music, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's all a taste. And, um, you know, you can you can like it or not, but um, um, but to wake up with nothing and not even be able to brush your teeth because of your wrist, it's uh, it's it was too much. Yeah. On that point, I'm going to have another beer because I've sobered up completely with that really serious conversation, <laughs> and I think James should give us a bit of a tune. We've got his piano in the corner here, so James Tosland, if you wouldn't mind, would you care to give us a tune while we contemplate what you've said? and where we're going to go Next. afterwards. Sure. Thank you very much, James. <laughs> Round of applause, please.
Take 